Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is World Social Work Day today. March 17, 2020, and it has been a crazy, crazy week, you guys. I don't know about you, but my emotions have been going up and down like a stock exchange. It's been crazy, okay? So I know that last episode, I was feeling all confident and all good about the coronavirus and how like everything's going to be okay. Okay, (laughs) that mood did not last my little a-hole friend called anxiety started creeping up on me, dragging me down into the anxiety hole. That's why I call him my a-hole friend. So it was rough. It was a rough week, you guys. I'm not even going to lie, um, which I think is normal. I feel like this is what a lot of us might be feeling, especially... I feel like I especially feel it because I am in the healthcare industry, and so I feel like I need to, you know, remain competent in my job, in my knowledge, in my ability to educate patients and to watch out for myself and my family. So I had been, you know, keeping up to date with the coronavirus and all of the news, I was just up to my eyeballs and in information about the coronavirus, and I still am, but I don't feel like I'm drowning so much anymore, or at least today, because these things change, you know, all the time. Each day, I'm feeling some sort of different way, and I was feeling good, pretty good last week until it was probably Thursday or Friday when there started to be massive, massive closures of things. The sports teams were no longer having games. The colleges were closing down. Disneyland was closing down. Like, what the fuck? Disneyland does not close. That's huge. So that led me into a little mini panic. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to... Just unplug this weekend, this past weekend, which is exactly what I did. I unplugged. I didn't go on social media. I did not watch the news. I just focused on me and spending time with my daughter and my husband and my family. And we had a really great time. I was feeling super good this weekend. We went down by the beach where there was hardly anybody. It was nice and cool and breezy and relaxing and we ran around with my daughter and it was a great time and we and then Sunday the same thing church was canceled 
So we just, um, we watched it online, the online services, and then we just went to um, the local high school, like the the field outside, because my husband used to run track and field, so he's all about the fields and getting our daughter into that, which, you know, whatever, is fine with me. So we went and kicked her soccer ball around, and it was great. And then Sunday night rolled around, and I started getting these messages from friends and family, like, oh my gosh, did you hear? Like, this is so crazy. And I was like, what? You know, what? what what's going on? And I, I realized, like, oh, <laughs> I have to go to work tomorrow, so I should probably kind of figure out what's going on. And that's when my mood went from super high and happy to, oh, fuck, what are we going to do? And I started panicking and just all these things. So Monday, it was just too much. I just, it was just, it was just so much anxiety. So I came to work and I was just like, what was it? It was mostly the fact that it had spread so much and also that my work, I obviously work at a healthcare clinic, not obviously, but I do. I work at a healthcare clinic and they started screening people who were coming to the clinics. There was no more, no more patient interaction. So patients are only coming to the clinic in case of like it's urgent and the doctor really, really needs to see them. But otherwise all of our visits are moved to home or um, phone visits, which is a pretty big deal because we work with some pretty Uh, vulnerable and high-risk people so I was like okay you know phone visits that's fine but then I started getting paranoid about my coworkers. like where have you been and you know I'm like giving them the side eye if they sneeze or something (laughs) it's just ridiculous so that was that and by the time I got home well even before I got home I I told my the doctor that I work with I was like look, after I leave work today, I'm going straight to the grocery store and getting some food because I haven't been to the grocery store. You know, I was all nonchalant last week. I had not been to the grocery store this weekend because I was all about, you know, staying calm and happy and living in my little bubble, which I needed. But then I started panicking like, oh my gosh, what if they quarantined my city? I don't have any food. Like I need my food. I get super hangry you guys so I left I went to the supermarket and of course it was a shit show it was just whatever but it was fine it was fine I got I stocked up on the things that we like so I like my big my pot roast recipe so I stopped up on that I swooped up the last of the hot wings from the deli which my husband loves and I got the last of the shrimp, so I'm making him make me some some uh, peppered shrimp this week, which is my favorite. So good, you guys. Uh, there was, I got some Alfredo sauce. There was no pasta, but, you know, whatever. We'll make it work. I don't get pasta somewhere else. Um, so just, you know, just all of these things. So I felt like I purchased my peace of mind yesterday. And I got home and... You know, I'm just loading up everything, and I'm still just a hot mess, and so anxious, and I'm snapping, and I'm just, like, 
just not fun to be around. And I realize I get like this when I don't work out because I really, really need those endorphins or else I'm just not a fun person to be around. So I hadn't been in the gym because because of all this. And I've heard that the gyms are closing, so I'm like, well, I better figure out something different to do. And I actually went for a jog. And guys, I'm not a jogger. But whatever, I just felt like I had to go get out of the house and do something. So I ran as fast as I could and as far as I could go and until I was so tired I couldn't run anymore. And when I reached the end of the block, I was like, oh, okay, this is good. And luckily I live around a lot of nature. There's a like a regional park near my home. So I just kind of sat there and I meditated and took a couple moments. I practiced my deep breathing that we did with Jackie a couple episodes ago, and it was very helpful. So some deep breathing and just acknowledge like, okay, I have done everything that I can. I cannot control everything, but I can control my thoughts and my mind and my focus. I can control my personal hygiene. I can control the fact that I have food in my home in case there's anything that like a quarantine or anything that that they feel is needed so I've done all that I can do and I just need to let it go and trust that like now all literally we can do is pray once you have done everything that you can it's out of your control it's up to the universe it's up to God it's it's up to the forces that be and we just have to be able and open to to roll with it and to make the best out of every situation. So I was feeling much better after that. And it got me thinking about how us social workers are really, we're made for these times, you guys. It may not feel like it in the moment because we're right along there with, with the professionals, the healthcare professionals, like, we don't know what to do, but we do know, we do have the skills. We're just going to be using them in a different way. And I had to remind myself of this too, you know, why social workers are prepared for times like this, for times of mass panic, for times of fear, for times of anxiety. We help people with this every single day, most likely you know, more than once a day up to like five or 10 times. I don't know how many people you see a day, but we are made for this and we have all of the skills that we need to make it through this in the best way that we can. Okay. It's not going to be perfect. There will be ups and downs and that's okay. That's normal. That it would be weird if there was just only ups like that's, that, that would be weird. Okay. (laughs) So it's normal to have these ups and downs. And I was just just kind of seeing how the world, we're all just really, really scared. And it's similar to what I see here at the health clinic when people are coping with a new diagnosis. You know, they're grieving. Uh, they feel like they have lost their sense of control and their sense of certainties. I mean, that's that's what's going on right now. You know, businesses are closing, schools are closed, grocery stores are empty, 
people are out of work. A lot of the people in the service industries, they, they're not working. You know, the schools, like all of these things, they're not working. And additionally, people are being told to stay home and to socially isolate, which I, I said, I like to think of it as physically isolating because we don't need to be completely shut off from the social world. We need these relationships for our own mental health and well-being. So if we can physically isolate ourselves from other people, then that's going to be the best thing. But there are a lot of people that we work with, especially me working with older adults, who are already isolated. They're already not seeing people and they don't have a lot of relationships and their only form of socializing and seeing the outside world is going to their doctor's appointments. And so I am really concerned about them. Also, you know, all of these things, there's, there's more, you know, the children that go to school for their sense of stability and food a lot of times. There are some resources that are being set up in the meantime. However, you know, like sporting events, you know, kids, kids live and breathe off of this routine. So there is a lot of changes and a lot of people whose lives are being disrupted right now. And ours too. You know, I don't, I had, I made the decision to keep my daughter home from daycare. And I don't know if that was the right thing to do at this time because now my husband, he, since I'm at work all day, he's he's a realtor, so he has a little bit more flexibility. And I wonder, like, oh, am I taking advantage of the flexibility? Like, I know he has work to do, too. And, you know, we have her grandparents, thank God, nearby. So, um, but I just remember, you know, people want to help. And I need to let people help and that is what family you know that's what our family is for that's that they want to help and they're there to be a support and to just accept that help too which I struggle with and I know a lot of caregivers struggle with that and social workers too like we're we are the helpers and so it's hard when we have to acknowledge and accept that help as well um, and it's just, it's just crazy. A lot of unstableness. The and on top of this, all of this has led to the world economy possibly on the brink of a recession, which is scary to think about. Um, but also a good opportunity if you're young to invest. But that's another side note. Um, I don't want the world economy to to suffer because I know that that that's hard. That brings a lot of loss. We don't need a repeat of 2008. That was really, really devastating for a lot of people. So, you know, with that said, you know, this isn't our first rodeo. Social workers, you and I, we have been through some tough times. Chances are that you have become a social worker because you have encountered some sort of hardship, hardships, maybe more than one, in your life and you feel a need to help others. You want to do what is right. And right now, the world needs you. The world needs us. We we need to acknowledge, like, yes, it is a fearful time. 
but I am choosing to step forward in courage and in faith that I'm going to do my best and I am able to help people. You know, our code of ethics is that we are of service and we use our relationships. We practice with integrity and competence and we maintain the dignity of people, you know, in all situations. And that's exactly, exactly what we need to do right now. We mustn't lose sight of our purpose and what we have been created and designed to do. Okay, we were made for times like this. So, and I, I want you also to, to know that you are not alone. There are thousands and thousands of other social workers all over the world right now as you're listening, helping each other. So you are not alone. We are stronger together. There's a collective group of us and even people who aren't social workers. The whole world has been reaching out to each other, to their neighbors, offering help. It's been so beautiful, you guys. I've been so touched by so many of the stories that I've seen of of people in Italy. They were isolated in their homes and they're out there on their balconies dancing and making it a party and just making the best of a shitty situation. And so, and there's been people who have reached out to their neighbors, offered to bring them food. I know I'm involved with somebody who we are getting our kids together. We're making cards for some of the boarding care homes in our, in our county um, because the seniors there are getting lonely. And so with that, there's so much strength and resilience and beauty in times of hardships, and you are going to find whatever you are looking for. So if you are looking for the ugly and the struggle and the people who are going to take advantage, you will find that. But if you choose to look for the beauty and the strengths, then you will find that as well. And that is exactly what we are trained to do. We're trained to look at the strengths. Like, okay, all of this stuff is going wrong in our lives. What is going right? Let's focus on that. Let's build on that. Let's continue to focus on what is going right. And that is what we are going to continue to do. You and I together, we're going to get through this. We're going to do it. Okay? So I just wanted to tell you some of the things that I came up with that makes us made for times like this. Okay? We know how to reduce anxiety and fear. We know that anger confusion and frustrations are all mass for fear we see this I mean I I saw this just going to the grocery store and to be honest I was looking for those noodles for my Alfredo sauce because I love Alfredo and there was there was a cart I'm even embarrassed to say this but whatever there was a cart where they had noodles and someone left their cart there and I was so tempted to grab the fettuccine noodles but I did not. I was like, Catherine, don't end up on social media stealing noodles from somebody else's cart. That is not, not what we need in our life right now. So the temptation is there, but you know, just, just choose to do the right thing as much as you can. Don't steal the noodles. So we know, you know, we know what we, we know 
what to do. We know how to do this. We just need to refocus and sometimes just take a moment to be like, okay, look, this is a tough time. We're going to make it through. We got this. Okay. I know that you got this. We do positive self-talk. We self-talk to ourselves all freaking day. Try to make it positive. And we can teach others to do these things as well. We can teach people how to reduce their fear, how to do the positive self-talk, how to focus on the strengths. You know, it's all about, you know, it's essentially cognitive behavioral therapy, right? CBT. Our thoughts influence our feelings, which influence our actions. So, you know, for example, if we focus on strengths and everything that we can offer our community, then we're going to feel a lot more confident and act in a way that will comfort others and just alleviate their suffering and their fear. When resources are low, we know how to be resourceful. And that, oh, that's the second thought, but that's after cognitive behavioral therapy. And I'll go back to CBT. You know, it's, it's exactly what I had been talking about. You know, we, when we think something, it's going to cause us to act and feel in a certain way. So if we think like, like I did, if, if I think, oh my gosh, we are doomed, then I am going to feel panic and anxiety and I am going to act in a scared way. But if I think, okay, this situation sucks, but I got this. How am I going to figure this out? What can I do? What do I need to do? Where are the strengths? Then that is going to cause me to be more confident, to be able to face whatever it is, and to act in a way that inspires others and that brings comfort to others that I am working with as well. And we can teach other people that to do that as well. Additionally, another strength of ours is that we consistently work in an environment where resources are low. We work with people who have minimal resources. We work in an economy where resources have not been freely allocated to us. So, therefore, we know how to be resourceful. We can be creative in meeting our needs of, you know, not only ourselves, but also our clients and our families. Another thing is we already work with people who are hurting, both physically and emotionally. This is the work that we already do. It's just, it's much more widespread now. And the whole world is feeling physically and emotionally hurt or scared, or they may not be feeling that, they may actually be hurt and scared. And so, you know, it's just that the fear that we see is compounded to the mainstream media now. But we just take it one at a time, one person at a time, one client at a time, one program at a time, whatever it is, however it is that you help, that you serve, you just take it one thing at a time and focus on what you can control and don't focus on what you cannot control. Also, another point is that we understand the person and environment, you know, theory and how systems are impacting each other. So we have the upper hand on 
other professions and industries who are just focusing on their one piece. So doctors, for instance, they're focusing on like, okay, medication adherence. How is your, how is this disease impacting your body? We, when I go in there, I'm looking at the whole person. So, okay, your medications may cause you to feel this sort of way and your body and your disease is giving you pain and making you feel weak. And I understand that this person, it, they're not just about their physical body, but they're about the other systems. So their mental well-being, their emotional, their coping skills, how is this impacting the family? How is this changing their routine? Are they losing independence? Are they unable to now go see their friends? Are they unable to go to the casino where they would go every single week and they had friends there? You know, that is really going to impact their emotional state. And if they are feeling that loss and don't know how to cope with it, they may not be motivated to take their medication. That may explain why, you know, we call them, you know, we call them, what's the word? I don't call them this because I, I hate the word, but um, like non-compliant. There we go. <laughs> They're non-compliant. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily see that people are non-compliant. There's always a reason why they don't take their medication. It's not just people are just like flippant about it. Like, oh, yeah, I just, I just don't want to. There's always a reason whether it's the side effects, whether they just don't see a point in taking them, whether they don't understand what they're for, maybe they're scared of the side effects, maybe they just don't see a point and they just, they know that they're going to die and and they choose to not take these medications, which is perfectly within their right. So there's a lot of reasons why people are, you know, quote, non-compliant, but that's a whole, I can go on forever about that. So, you know, people are more than just one little area. They're the whole system and social workers understand that. So when a person is sick with like, say coronavirus, we know that it's going to impact the entire system, their entire family, their entire community, their entire neighborhood, all of these things. So... So that is, you know, another strength that we have. And another one is we are, because we understand these systems, that they're all connected, we're able to anticipate the needs of people, and we can be proactive in limiting these negative consequences. We know what people need given their unique circumstances. This is why a lot of people you know, who specialize in things like the economy, they, they, they say that a recession is coming. And I don't want to be all doom and gloom and focus on things that we can't control. However, it is important to be consider, considerate of these possible and likely circumstances that a recession is coming. So, you know, for example, like, what do I need to do now so that I can be prepared and so that my family can be prepared. And and another thing too is just just remember, this is not going to last forever. This too shall pass. And it's just growing us in our skills, making us better, 
forcing us to grow. You know, growth never happens in our comfort zone and all of us are very uncomfortable right now, (laughs) or at least I am uncomfortable. And so it forces us to just be better. It really exercises those skills that we've learned and maybe we haven't had to use them in a while. So it just forces us to be more creative and to expand our comfort zone of what we can do. So with all of that said, you know, I do appreciate how in devastations and tragedies and even pandemics that the human soul continues to rise. We continue to lift each other up. I mean, there's there's just so much strength that we see if we look for it. We have been through tragedies in the past and we will overcome this one as well. We all survived 2008 and hopefully we can learn from the past and events and learn what may be coming, what to expect and how we can be prepared and help our clients be prepared. So social workers, we're always going to be here and I want you to know that you are needed now more than ever. We're going to continue to serve our clients, but it just might look a little different and we need to adapt to be able to care for for others while also caring for ourselves. It's important that we take care of ourselves during this time that we make sure that we are always safe. So it's just like when we do a CPR training. The first thing we assess is, is the scene safe? If it is, we go in to help. If it is not, we must make the scene safe in any way that we can. But we cannot compromise our own well-being to help others. If we did this, then we would now have two people in an emergency and needing help as opposed to one. So it's vital that we are caring for ourselves. Um, This is a marathon, you guys. It's not a sprint. Unfortunately, they anticipate that this is just the beginning. And we need to be prepared for this to kind of be our our new normal for a little bit, for, um, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months. We don't really know. Nobody really knows. So, you know, we're still going to be here and help. It's okay if the help looks a little bit different. And honestly, I think it's kind of cool that we're able to utilize all of our technology and make adaptations to still be connected. People are still able to take the college classes. We're still able to see patients, you know, just on the phone or like video conferencing or something. Um, There's been virtual happy hours. So, and people are working from home, which is, you know, kind of good or bad because it is hard to to get any work done with children rounds because they're so much fun. And, but it will be interesting to see, and I'm kind of just wondering, like on a side note, I wonder if this is going to change the way that we work in America. Are companies going to be more open and willing to having their employees work remote since they're kind of being forced to have them work remote already? 
um, which I think would really go a long way in alleviating the traffic and stress of commuting and help with an overall balanced life if we're able to work from home and, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but that's one of my, one of my thoughts and um, thinking that this may be a really good opportunity and, and a change and a shift in our culture. So we're going to see, but we're going to continue to protect the vulnerable. We're going to care for the sick and, you know, mobilize the abled body. So, and another thing too, is if, if you or someone, you know, has been forced to kind of take some time off, see what you can do with it. See what your strengths are. Are there any hobbies that you wanted to start? Is there any businesses that you wanted to start? I'm a really, really big advocate that social workers, have so many great business ideas that just need to be brought to light. And if you have an idea, go with it. Research it. See what the strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities and threats might be. Do a SWOT analysis like we talked about on one of the previous episodes. You know, just see see what you can do with it. It might be a great opportunity for you to to pursue your passion, pursue your calling. And I think that if more social workers were able to do that and be empowered to start their own businesses, whether it be therapy or something completely different, something serving a population that needs to be served, something, you know, just contributing in a area that currently has a need, I feel that we as social workers have a lot of the answers to humanity's problems and I'm excited to see where we go in the coming years. So if you have an idea or a business a business idea that you've been thinking of or a nonprofit that you've been thinking of, I would love to hear about it. I love to hear creative new ways that social workers are are ready and willing to help. So I just hope that even though it's a dark time, we continue to be lights in the darkness and continue to inspire and empower others. And I hope that this little pep talk has helped you in a certain way and at least brought you a little bit of peace and joy and maybe a smile today while you're listening to me. Until next week, you guys take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, write a review and give us five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. This just helps other people just like you find us and join our community. Also, I would love to connect with you on Instagram. You can find me at Social Workers Rise. I can't wait to see you next week. Bye.